The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The cock and football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. Jimmy James and Tom are back for more. Like Joey B, we're here for season four with Bengal guests and stories not heard before. There's Tony, Mark, and Jamie, as well as our charity. Hootay Nation, join in from far and wide. Every Tuesday night, the guys are back at it live. By the fans, for the fans, from day one, it's time to have some fun. We're talking football, with Bengal Jim and friends, we're talking football. We hope this never ends, the Bengal boys stop by to drop the speed. Don't get your popcorn ready and take a seat. Season four will and with the Lombardy. Live from the Betfred Studios in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Brownsburg, Indiana, it's Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. It is a I guess really just two friends tonight. Bengal Jim is uh, with another one of our staples, Jamie, on their now annual trip to the Northern Territory of Canada moose hunting. But Jimmy will be back next week, and we believe Jamie in two weeks. So is, is without that, further ado, here's James. Is that truly the case? It is cut-down day. Did Jimmy get the axe from the show, and he just hasn't told does, anybody? Or what's... Well, I think they've done this the last couple of years. They go up in the Northern Territory of Canada – Hunting moose, uh, bonding, you know, in a can in a cabin, and you know, cooking whatever muskrat or whatever they shoot. But uh, yeah, they're uh, muskrat. They're, <laughs> they're they're hunting moose up in northern Canada, and uh, Jimmy will be back next week. Oh uh, well, we want to welcome. We had some issues with our old Facebook page, so we had to um, audible and do a new one specifically for the podcast. I'm going to put that in the chat now. So we want to welcome everybody um, to, there it is in the uh, chat, Fred asks, moose hunting is Canadian for drinking beer. Well, I, I agree. So it's great to be back on Facebook. And as always, uh, just as the um, the sign says below our mugs, uh, by the fans, for the fans. And none of this would be possible without you. So we appreciate um Everyone joining us, we got our, our buddy Cam Miller coming on momentarily, and then our other friend, James Rapine from Sports Illustrated, going to come on at 8.20, talk about um, cut-down day, so have your questions ready. We'll do our best to um, get to those. Last preseason game, um, Saturday night in Washington, one uh, minor injury, if we want to call it that, on that terrible um, Washington field, but um, otherwise, unscathed, Tom? Unscathed, and like you said, that's that's the main thing after every preseason game. Did anybody get hurt? And uh, we're still waiting, really, to find out completely on Joseph Asai what's going on. Kelsey Conway reported it's a high ankle sprain, which is, you know, typically what I'm reading, two to four weeks. Hopefully it's just two, and he can be back for Cleveland. If not, he might 
might miss the opener. And then uh, Deontay Smith, no true update from Coach Taylor today on his status. Uh, looked like that was a shoulder problem. So we will we will see and also discuss that with James when he comes on uh, in just a short while. Yeah, we won't speculate, so have your questions uh, ready. But without further ado, we had, uh, I believe this is going to be Cam Miller's third time on with us here at uh, Bengal Gym and Friends. Not only is he a great uh, historian, has probably spent more times in the, in the archives of Cincinnati libraries gathering stuff than, than everybody combined watching the show and just truly a, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, we're excited to have him back. And we set a huge announcement. I think it's this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, without further ado, let's welcome Cam Miller to um, Bengal Gym and Friends. Hey, Cam, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? We're great. doing great. Appreciate good. you uh, coming on. It's It's been, again, I believe this is the third time, correct, Cam? I think so, yeah. The first one we talked about history, the second one we talked about history, and I think this time we're good. you were going to want my opinion on uh, the Best defense the Bengals are going to have, 4-3. You're going to ask me about Joe Burrow or stuff like that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's actually not why. you. Uh, nah. we, we, we teased it, and if everybody remembers the last time Cam was on, he did a little film about the Reds' stint at uh, Riverfront. It was a, a pretty cool event. They debuted it at the, the Reds' Hall of Fame. And was that 2022? That you did yeah, that last time? September. Yeah, that's correct. Last September at the Hall of Fame. Packed house, uh, won some awards. I was so excited about that and honored. Just a fantastic event. Yeah, it certainly was. And um, we brought you back because behind the scenes, you've been certainly working a bunch. And, and we've been working with you while um, this has come to fruition. And I and I approached you, you know, right after that, that Red's Riverfront documentary and said, hey, we know what you're working on. We've got a, a great idea. Let's, you know, tag team this thing and, and uh, make a fun event. But um, let's go ahead and um, spill the beans. I'm going to pop a graphic up here, and then I'll let you um, tell everybody what's, uh, what's happening. Yeah, uh, we are going to premiere uh, Rear Front Remember the Jungle version. Now, remember, there's three films. There's the Reds, there's the Bengals, and then there's the music. And this is the second in the trilogy. And this really, really touches my heart. Uh, we're going to premiere it October 10th. Is that correct? October 10th is the date we decided. And okay, we're going to do that. October 10th. That's going to be fantastic. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I'm just so excited to finally get this in the can. Just finished the music up on last week. I've got a couple more little things to do to put the uh, sound to picture and kind of tighten it up, but we're going to be ready to go um, October 10th for a fantastic event. I cannot wait. That's going to be exciting. We're going to do it at 16 lots at uh, Newport on the levee. Again, as um, Cam said, a Tuesday night, I'm going to post a link here in the chats where you can get tickets. Tickets are just $10. And as we do so much, Cam's been been gracious. None of this is going in Cam's pocket, uh, just like the stuff we do. None of this is going to us. 100% is going to charity. And kind of as an added bonus, we have six or seven Bengals committed that had the opportunity to play at Riverfront. Uh, Don, that Bengals uniform will be there that night. And um, it's certainly going to be um, a lot of fun. Before we play the um, trailer, Cam, anything else you want to um, talk about, uh, specifically about the film? Oh, he might have froze up a little bit there, so we'll give him a second. I'm going to go ahead and, and play the trailer. And again, this is just a, a tease for the documentary that we are going to air live at, at 16 Lots, um, Tuesday, October 10th. Uh, we're going to do a little happy hour about 6 o'clock. Uh, Cam's going to introduce the film at, at 7. We're going to play the film, and then we're going to do a live show from 16 Lots with the former Bengals, kind of a roundtable um, discussion. Looks like we have you back, Cam. Anything you want to say before we roll the little teaser here? No, I was I, I was stunned with all of the great information you, you were saying. So, yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> all right, here we go. The Reds were thinking about leaving, as I remember. Because they were in a stadium that was worthy, and yet the city had to have the second 
major league franchise in order to build a stadium. And that's where I came in. Anderson is back to throw. Looks, fires down into the end zone. Touchdown to Again, again, October 10th is going to be, be the, uh, the date the for, that. for that. How many, How many hours, hours of film did you go through, through camp to, to get, get what, you, get what you needed for that? Uh, 4,256, I think, was the last tally. Uh, it was a lot. Um, not not just film, um, photographs, audio, a lot of audio. I really wanted to capture what it was like to be in the jungle, and that's what this film's all about, what it was like to be in the jungle um, in the 70s, 80s. 90s and then before you know 30 years there just some great memories great teams i'm really looking forward to showing you guys this film it's going to be so much fun you guys are going to learn something it's going to be great um Crip keeper says paul brown i just love hearing his voice how much audio did you um so was it the actual film um video audio just a little bit of combination of everything and was most of this pulled from the libraries or where'd you where'd you gather all this um cool information well, working for the Reds Hall of Fame, you're always coming up with, you know, not just baseball stuff, but fans who donate um, artifacts. And sometimes you'll get radio broadcasts and you're like, nobody, will, uh, we don't need this. It's just a Bengals game from 1977. I'm like, I will take that Bengals game from 1977. Thank you very much. So I've accumulated um, a wealth of information, of audio and interviews from um, news stations over the years. It's just you, you dig and you dig and you dig, and sometimes you'll be doing seven or eight hours of digging, and you won't really know until you get that eighth hour. You'll find this random 30-second clip of Paul Brown talking about Riverfront, and it's just like that's the gold nugget. That's what I wanted to go with this picture, to go with this film footage. So it's a constant you know tug of war to find the right sounds and images. I don't like to do a lot of high-end graphics. I like to keep things very simple very to the point and kind of tell the story. And I think that's what this film's going to do. It's going to tell the story with Riverfront Stadium as the main character. I love the idea of getting to watch this and then talk to the players who actually played there. When you did the the Reds one, as we talked about last year, and then you have the Bengals one this year, what was maybe the hardest part of, of putting this together or something that um, stood out to you while you were doing these hours and hours of research? It really, it was condensing it, making it so it was 30 minutes because they could have gone on Ken, Ken Burns-esque. It could have been seven, eight hours, a miniseries on PBS. But you have to realize that the attention span, people don't want to sit there for a long time. You want to tell them the story and kind of get the nuts and bolts of it, but also the importance of it because we have to keep pushing history uh, the farther we get away from these things and, and more people aren't around anymore to, 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 you know, to tell the stories, we have to keep pushing forward and especially when it comes to the Bengals because we don't have a hall of fame museum we have to keep pushing this out there and maybe one day we'll get one that's my goal <laughs> exactly Lindsay asked um obviously we have a lot of people that watch the show that um, don't live in cincinnati or maybe can't make it that night so i believe after um sometime you'll decide uh, they'll be able to uh, to find this um movie on your um, youtube page at some point James looks like he's having a, a freezing issue. Yeah, I'll, Welcome be, back. I'll definitely be posting this online. I'll be posting another trailer very soon as well, um, probably about two weeks before the premiere. Um, okay. So we'll do that, and then I'll also post the film afterwards. Perfect. Perfect. And, again, um, for those that can make it Tuesday, October 10th, it'll be the Tuesday after our game in Arizona and the uh, Tuesday before the Seahawks, um, and then we have the buy after. So if you're in town and want to make it, um, those tickets are on sale. We do have some VIP tables, but um, you can just get in for for as cheap as, as $10. Be the first to see the film. 
be the first to meet um, Cam, see those former Bengals um, that will be in attendance that night, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we let uh, Cam go, Tom, anything you'd like to ask? No, King, you know, that was uh, such a special place for any sports fan, and especially the Bengals fan, but you know, what? one of the things we were teasing with a little bit when we were, uh, before we came on, was, you know, the passion, just how unbelievable button-down Cincinnati would come unglued for those Bengal teams, particularly in the 80s. Uh, you know, it, it was a special place and a special time with special guys. Oh, absolutely. What, a, what an incredible place. I mean, I... I went to a few games there as a child um, in the 80s, and it, well, I didn't get to go during the jungle heyday. I'd moved to South Carolina at that point, but I followed the team, the newspapers, um, still was a Bengals fan no matter where I ended up. And it's just an incredible, incredible, you know, feeling like that you can, I can still hear that sound of the crowd and feel it in my chest when I think about those teams. Um it's just I'm glad that this story is finally getting told, and I'm glad that we're finally going to be able to show this to the players, and they're going to have some memories, which I'm sure, to talk about some behind-the-scenes things that went on. It's just going to be a great event. I cannot wait to share it with you guys. 100%. And some of the feedback we've got from from some of the players, I mean, they're, they got excited when they when they knew this was coming back. Um, just That's emotions, great. Some of, the, some of the stories that they're like, oh, man, we got so many stories from that place. So it truly is going to be a, a fun night, Cam. Um, at, as Tom said, just bringing back this history, um, especially to a younger generation, which are so many new Bengals fans now um, because of the success and um, what's happened here lately. So, Cam, we appreciate it. We're going to be in touch. And again, mark your calendars Tuesday, October 10th, 16 lots, Newport on the levee. Um, the link is above. I can go ahead and, and post it again. But go ahead. Uh, very good possibility. It's, it's going to sell out again 100 percent of the proceeds. We'll go to um, a charity. We'll have more information on that. It's actually listed on the uh, ticket, too. So if you can uh, make it, we'd love to see you there in person. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cam, again, thank you so much for, for all you do. The Riverfront one was was sweet. And uh, so looking forward to uh, the Bengals. I think, as uh, Jeff Snellen said in the comments, uh, goosebumps. And we certainly had those uh, just watching a uh, one-minute trailer. Right. And I can't wait to share more. I'll be posting on Twitter at Camler Films, teasing some images and some audio and another trailer out. My goal now before the uh, premiere is to find a Paul Brown hat so I can wear it to the event. That's my goal. All I'll right. be wearing a suit and a hat. Guarantee All it. All right. So we're going to hold you to that, Cam. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great night, buddy. Bye, Cam. Good to see Thanks. you. Thanks. All right. It's be a great night. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's going to be a, a lot of fun right there. And um, Dell's got a great, uh, great view there on the levee that um, literally will overlook where Riverfront uh, once stood. So, I mean, I just thought about that now for some, for whatever reason, but uh, how perfect is that basically just to be across the river looking where um, Riverfront um, once stood. Crypt Keeper says, Cam, thank you. Can't, uh, can't wait. What, um, before we, we go on to some other news, um, what's your uh, favorite memory of, of Riverfront, Tom? There's so many. And, and you know, I, I think more than anything that those those Bengal teams brought into the 80s, you know, James in the 70s, we would go down. And this is a great football town. And it would get loud and it would get rowdy. But it felt like you were going to a game with, you know, 57,000 people that were just leaving a meeting with their accountant. I mean, people were, were, were dressed almost, you know, for a social occasion. And that 81 team came along and really took us into the NFL. All of a sudden, we were like, you know, watching all those other teams, you know, the, the Pittsburghs, Houstons, Miamis uh, that we, we would watch every week. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we had our own unique chant. We had people with face paint on uh, you know, we had character and, you know, as we went through and then the jungle came in 88, they would talk to opposing players. And it's a shame because a generation of Bengal fans from the narrative being pushed by certain parts of the media and so forth in this town weren't allowed to know about that, how wonderful and fun it was to be at Riverfront Stadium, being a Bengals fan cheering for those teams. But there, there were players that used to talk about, you know, Riverfront's one of the two or three most difficult stadiums to play in. 
because it's so loud because, you know, the, the people are just become unglued. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the personalities that, that we got to root for, but no, it was a special place. And uh, I know Cam, I uh, know him well, and I know he's going to bring all of that out. Now, the one thing we learned about with the, uh, with the Reds, uh, when he did the Reds one about the, you know, that team even staying, is that happening? What it took to actually get that stadium there. And it's kind of alluded to that, um, uh, they needed another dancing partner in the Bengals um, where that to, to push it through. And there's history on the, um, the gentleman that designed it and all that. So it's uh it's going to be a fun night and we there look forward been, to. Yeah. I mean, not to interrupt, but the, the Reds were openly speaking and talking to San Diego. They were going to move to San Diego. That's where their minor league team was at the time. And there had been just because, uh, you know, at the, that time, Cincinnati's market was still very large. Uh, they wanted an NFL franchise, and there were a couple of concentrated attempts that failed. And uh, Paul Brown and Mike Brown and and John Sawyer uh, came in along with many others, put together the proper presentation and package. And you know, we were part of the went in as an AFL team and was part of the AFL NFL merger. So you know, not only did Cincinnati become a true major league city. By getting the Bengals, uh, the Bengals coming in saved the Reds from bolting. Yep, yep. That's I think that's a bit of history that not many people realize, and I think we'll be able to dig into that um, with Cam. As you can see here, he's just been so forthcoming with you know answering any questions and just the the stuff he's found um, you know in the archives and and just hours and hours he's spent going through film and, and video, and it's um, certainly. Um, Pretty sweet and, and look forward to it. Before we um, bring James on, we're waiting for him in the uh, room. You can see one person uh, missing, and that's our buddy Tony the Tiger, who is down in Florida uh, getting ready to help those with a hurricane. So we know Tony does so much for those not only in the community through uh, through the charity efforts, but um, his full-time job is also helping people in, in emergency situations. So Tony's not with us tonight. He is in um, in Florida helping, um, as I said, those getting ready to uh, get hit with a hurricane. We're praying those people stay safe. But to give you an update, Tony um, sent this over a little bit earlier today. So over $44,000 raised, Tom. And we haven't even played game number one. What was our what was our goal this year? It, <laughs> we did so good last year. It keeps getting raised. I I honestly I'm not even going to touch it. I I don't know um, what it was, but uh, forty four thousand, and we're just getting ready to play um, game one in what ten days? Pretty darn impressive. And that's you know as our other graphic said, by the fans for the fans, and this is uh, because of their generosity, no doubt. Now we'll keep. Keep, keep clicking along. I don't know. Uh, do we want to make sure James has the right? He's here. He is. He, he, he is just here. popped in. He's um, finishing he's his. Um, yeah, he's, he's a busy, busy man today. So without further ado, we don't want to um, waste his time. Tom, I'll let you do the intro here. He's a great friend of the show and a great friend to, to Bengals fans everywhere. Uh, he gives as good a coverage of the Bengals as anyone out there and really uh, anyone that ever has covered the team. Uh, he does it objectively, hard-nosed, and on a, such a busy day for the media, uh, we're very thankful that he was able to carve some time out for us and all of you fans. So without further ado, from SI Sports Illustrated, here's James Rapine. There he is. Hey, James. Welcome. What's up, fellas? How are you? Well, we're we're a little bit worried. Can you um, confirm or deny that did Bengal Jim get cut today? He might have. And, you know, I, I can't tell you that I, I saw this one coming this year. I knew it was coming down the pike at some point. So, you know, sometimes it's better to be a year early than a year too late, I guess. And in this case, the Bengals wanted to get ahead of it. <laughs> we, we're trying to determine. He, we think he's maybe in one of those Aaron um, Rodgers darkness retreats for a couple of days leading up oh. to the um, the season. But um, any anyway, as Tom uh, mentioned Thanks for taking time out of your day. Of it's been a um, a busy day. Um, we were talking a couple of days ago just how long it's been since the NFL started doing this. You know, in years past, we would see eight or nine guys cut and then just keep knocking that number down. Now it's just 
one big slash and here we are at um, 53. What, um, oh, there was people comment. Did you get a haircut, James? We got, we got I, listeners in the chat room. I, I did. Talk about yep. your style. Yeah, I got, uh, got that, that fade. So it's a uh, two on top. Skin on the sides. I look bald on video. It's perfect. It's exactly that's why Tom I'm. and that's why Tom wears a hat and bad hair day for me. That's why I got a hat well, on as, as as well today. When you cut it this short, there are no bad hair days, which is the beauty. <laughs> don't don't mess with the Peaky Blinders, right, James? That's right. <laughs> All right, Tom. We'll get into uh, the meat and potatoes here. I'll let you start it off with James. Um, before you do, though, um, as we've always preached by the fans for the fans. So if you have a question for James, we'll do our best to get that uh, popped up on the show here. And uh, Tom, take it away. Yeah, James, today, Zach Taylor talked about this was his toughest cut down yeah. because the roster was so loaded. And I, I kind of felt that interesting because I do not remember a year when ownership slash management of this team has had done everything they can to get this team as loaded as it can to reach and win the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. That being said, uh, so many led by you had forecasted the roster and there weren't too many stunning hmm. cuts. I mean, there's still adjustments to come. And I'm going to ask you about a couple that raised my eyebrow. Were there any that, that really took you aback? I, I think there are two, you know, the two that really were the difference between getting it perfectly accurate from a projection standpoint and not. And so the ripple effect means four different positions, but I, I had them keeping four tight ends. I thought Tanner Hudson uh, kind of played his way onto the roster and just watching him in camp and watching what he could do as a, as a pass catcher. I thought, man, this is a pass first team. He's a nice guy to have around. The good news is he doesn't have to pass through waivers. He's free to sign anywhere. We'll see what happens with him. And, and then the other one is, is Stanley Morgan jr. And I think by this time tomorrow, he could be back with the team. He could be on the 53-man roster. I think that that door is certainly open. But that one does surprise me some. Now, he's a vested veteran as well. We've seen this with other veterans in the past where maybe they're trying to sneak a guy onto injured reserve. I just don't know who that is. I don't know if Joseph size ankle injury is, is bad enough that's going to cause him to miss Let's say it's two to three games. If so, you would put him on injured reserve, I would say, to give him enough time to heal. It would mean he would miss four games, but probably worth it. Uh, I, I do wonder, though, what, what the, the plan is there, because he's Darren Simmons's special team's ace. And without him, that means you're likely banking on some of these youngsters. Uh, Andre Yosevash would be one of them to, to pick up the slack from a special team standpoint. So if I had to guess, I would say Morgan would be back. De definitely the biggest surprise of the day, though. Yeah, one of the things. Oh, I'm sorry, James. Go ahead. Um, In the chat is a lot of questions on the offensive line. Is 10 too many? Mm -hmm. Jackson Carmen made the team, surprised mm -hmm. by Hakeem Adenogy. We know how important that offensive line is, protecting Joe, the, the problems we've had in, in years past. Were you mm -hmm. shocked by Hakeem Adenogy getting the spot over um, Smith and, you know, Jackson Carmen, maybe with his struggles, mm -hmm. that he's still here? I think they would have been open for business had a team came calling for Carmen and, and, and to trade him. I don't think they were willing to give up on the, the talent or the skill set that he brings because he's a powerful blocker and, and he's someone that, that you see flash in the run game. I certainly think he has the, the potential as a pass blocker. It's just, it's so inconsistent. And we've seen that now three years in a row. I mean, on my podcast, people think that I just dislike him because I just don't have expectations for him at this point. And it's like, all right, well, I'm not banking on Jackson Carmen in the right tackle battle, like coming into camp, for example. And people just think it's negative. It's, well, we just know what he is. He's inconsistent at this point. But I get not cutting him. And I think he is a a, a, a quality option, I would say, as your you know seventh lineman or something like that. I think Deontay Smith, as your swing tackle is interesting. He had a really good camp. I know coaches were pleased with his preseason as well. And so, yeah, Akeem Adenogy, he's the guy of the three that probably has the lowest floor or lowest ceiling, excuse me, but you know what his floor is. I think he's more established as an NFL player than these other two guys in Smith and, and Carmen. And so it, it didn't surprise me, but, but I was surprised by 10 linemen and not shocked because I get it. I understand 
and I do wonder about Deontay Smith's left shoulder injury. So we'll see there. We haven't gotten much yet. Hopefully it's nothing serious and it's a non-issue. But the, the reason I was shocked was on the interior. The fact that they kept Trey Hill and Max Sharping. When it felt like it was a position battle between those two guys, I thought Max Sharping was going to win the job as the, the backup center slash backup guard. I don't know what the case was. Hill had a, an ugly penalty again the other night. I'm surprised he's on the team as of now, and it's nothing personal with Trey Hill. I, I just think the, the penalties along with Max Sharpen kind of taking his job as backup center, maybe I was wrong on that. That's what I thought. Maybe they trust Hill more as a center, trust him to snap it more than Sharping, but they realize Sharping's too valuable to let go. I'm not sure. But, yeah, 10 linemen overall was a, a little surprising. Not shocking, but a little surprising. Yeah, James, I agree with you. I think uh... – Anybody gets dinged up from guard, center, guard. Max Sharping is the first guy off the bench. But but given that, there's been some speculation, and Zach has his philosophy. He doesn't like to play starters in the preseason. He doesn't want them getting hurt. He likes mm-hmm. to keep their reps down so they're as fresh as they can be in December, January, and hopefully in February. Yeah. Are you worried uh, going into the Cleveland game with the offensive line not playing any preseason games, that that's going to be a problem? And are, are we looking at the false starts and the illegal <laughs> formations and yeah. not picking up a blitz and not communicating as well? Um, are, you, are you that that worried about that? I'm not, and I'm not because it's a veteran group. It's a veteran group, a consistent, reliable group. And Jonah Williams isn't perfect at right tackle, and I'll go from right to left. But you know what you're getting. Orlando Brown Jr., is going to stabilize that left side. We know what Kappa, Karras, and Volson bring for the most part. Now, Volson is a, a bit more of a wild card because I think he has more of a ceiling that we haven't seen yet. But Kappa was their best lineman on the team last year. Obviously, Karras stabilized that center spot for the first time in a while. So you're talking about a veteran group. No, they haven't worked together. Like Kappa and, and Williams haven't worked together. They haven't been on the road in game. I get that. So could there be an issue or two? Maybe. But I don't think this is like last year either, where this offensive line was just lost. I think they know what they are. They are a big, physical, power offensive line. They're not going to run a, a ton of wide zone like they did last year early on. And, and they're going to be able to pass protect at, at a high level. I think Jonah Williams it could be in line for a career year at right tackle. Orlando Brown Jr., I talked with him last week. He's raving about Jonah, how he's just embraced right tackle, called him the training camp MVP. So I think that in it, you don't even need to go that far, but I, I think that this offensive line is set up for success. And I would have been pretty critical had this coaching staff played anyone but Jonah. And obviously he got that one series in Atlanta. I get why. Just get some game reps at right tackle. But if you had played Orlando Brown Jr. in any of these games, what's the point? Or Karras or Kappa. Volson, I guess you could argue, but not if those other guys aren't in there. And so – I think they'll be ready for week one. They've worked together. The whole entire interior is back and Brown and, and, and Williams, they're pros. They'll be fine. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. Um, James, talk about the running back position. They decided to keep yeah. Travion Williams who didn't play a, a snap in preseason. Obviously we have the rookie chase Brown. One of the players who I think has a lot of potential. Unfortunately, it doesn't always translate on, on game day or if, if he's dressed is Chris Evans. Glad to see he's still there. Um, two question. Who's going to be that third down guy that has to pick up the blitz? And is that position maybe they're looking at the waiver wire? I think so. I think it could be all of the above. Because as of now, if the season started tomorrow and it wasn't waiver wire time, I don't necessarily know if they know who the guy is. If it's if Travion's healthy, I think he'll get reps. At the same time, Chris Evans really showed that, that he he was more than he had been in his first couple of years. I think he showed real growth throughout camp and practice, and, and then obviously in preseason games as well. And don't look now, but Chase Brown looks more and more comfortable. I think he's getting more and more comfortable. You hide him. Can you imagine hiding him on the left side behind Cordell Volson, who's just a giant, and then Orlando Brown Jr., who's even more of a giant? I, I think – about a run between those guys and, and be the most explosive runner in that running back room. So the days of the mix and P Ryan combo, just RB one, RB two in, you know, 60, 40 split or 55, 45 split. I think those days are over. I think we're looking at 
three running backs all getting time week to week. Now the question is which running backs and, you know, there's some time to answer that. I think Williams and and Evans are going to kind of battle. Brown will probably be active, but maybe not. Maybe they, they go the other way and go with the veterans, which will be sort of a bummer because I think he is uh, the, the most explosive runner in that room. Like I said, as far as waiver wire, yeah, if there's a guy they view and, and watch and say, man, he's got the pass blocking chops that can come in here right now and give us eight, 10 snaps on passing downs a game where we can rely on him if that running back needs the pass block for sure. I just don't know who that is. And, and I think some of the guys that have been thrown out there are the same, you know, five, eight to five, 10 little guys that uh, it, little relatively speaking, of course, but little are running backs that that would just kind of complement what they have now. If they could find someone that's an upgrade from that, I think they would. At the same time, I think they're comfortable rolling with what they have because odds are um, it's going to be a three-back committee for most of the season, even with Mixon obviously getting the uh, the majority of the carries. Hitting back on the theme of is he ready, you've been down to practice. You've gotten to see Chitty Awuzie. How does he look? Do you think he'll be 100% with no rust on him, ready to shut down the Browns? I mean, he looks as good as he's ever looked, you know, or as good as you could expect him to look. I guess the best he's ever looked was when he was giving rookie Jamar Chase fits that first training camp, which obviously made Jamar way better. And Jamar's gone on to arguably be the best receiver in the league. So that worked out very well. I think, no, Cheetah looks great. And I expect him to start. It's been kind of unfair because on on all my various platforms for probably the past, it's August 29th, I would say the past five months, probably maybe four months, but I've unfairly said I expect him to be ready to go week one and acknowledge how unfair it was for that for me to ask that or expect that rather of a cornerback because of the way they have to plant, stop, start, jump, twist their hips, uh, move, flip their hips the other way, keep up with Jamar Chase. He's doing it all. And I, I – I don't know if when he gets out there, he'll be the same guy he was last year. Cause I thought he was so great last year. Maybe there is a few weeks where it takes some time and he gives up some catches. He wouldn't normally give up, but I haven't seen any sign of that to this point. And so I expect him to be out there week one. And I know there's been a lot of talk about the secondary and, oh man, the secondary is going to be worse. They're going to decline. I don't know if they're going to be worse because Cam Taylor Britt is for real. And I like those, those two safeties. I think Dax Hills brings a, a different, element to things so add in Cheeto he uh he should be good to go and, and hopefully he's back to 100 maybe not week one I think you might have to get a few snaps week one and then uh and then by I don't know mid first quarter he feels like he's 100 but that first drive get those the, those butterflies out I think he may have to do that you know I think he's certainly going to have extra butterflies if you remember um, that's the same field yeah. the Monday night game that he got injured on last year so what a crappy night have... that was worst Halloween uh, ever that was oh my God. That's it. Oh, yeah we just like just just think of what happened after that what was it five six seven eight game winning streak that we went on following that we didn't lose for the rest of the the regular season so um that was that yeah, and we still Kansas City yeah so that was uh as bad as that night was the rest of the season was was brilliant. Um, staying on the defensive side of the ball, obviously we touched on the Joseph Asai injury. Why was he in there? We're not going to get into that. But with that said, our first round draft pick, Miles Murphy, maybe he's going to get thrust into some action. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say we're worried about what we saw three games into his uh, NFL career um, mm-hmm. with the preseason games. Any concern um, with what you've seen from Miles, or you think he's just one of those guys in a position that needs some time to develop? No, no concern. I think expectations when you're a first-round pick sort of make it tough. But he was a first-round pick because of all of the tools that he brings. And when you go back and you look at what what he did at Clemson, he's not even a not a project. I, I wouldn't even go that far. I just think you knew he would need some refinement before he could be this potentially dominant pass rusher. And I, I kind of think of you know, how he could impact the game this year. I think he's going to be a better run defender than he is a pass rusher. That doesn't mean he doesn't get sacks because he has the athleticism and the size, but there's technique stuff. There's um, his 
just ability to adapt and, and learn at the NFL level at 21, it, it will take a little bit of time. And I think that's why this was the perfect landing spot, because if you go to a lot of franchises, you're starting at, at the at defensive end and they're expecting you to get 10 sacks out of the gate as a first rounder. Well, yes, Trey Hendrickson obviously has Sam Hubbard ahead of him. And, and even with this Joseph Osai injury, it's not like he's going to play every snap or 80% of the snaps or something like that. He'll be out there and he'll get his chance. At the same time, I, I always knew that he would need some refinement. This is a, a guy that could contribute right away. Heck, maybe he makes a splash play week one at Cleveland. I could totally see it happening. I'm not dismissing that. But be patient from a, oh, he's going to be this dominant edge rusher. I think it may take a year or two for him to reach that full potential. The good news is they have guys ahead of him that are, even if he was really great, we're going to to be the starters anyway. So uh, I think we'll see him more, especially with Osai out. I think we'll see Cam Sample some as well. And uh, that's the beauty of a deep defensive line. Uh, hopefully Raymond Johnson III, uh, from a Bengals perspective, at least clears waivers. Because if so, I think he'll be back on the practice squad and could be in the mix as well if Osai's out. James, uh, my James and I, we, we talked earlier about who was going to be the villain. And I guess it's my turn, so it's going to be me. Sure. Um, the elephant or, or the, the great Bengal tiger in the room. All offseason is, when's Joe going to sign his extension? Oh. We've had guys on from the the organization who have, have uh, very clearly and loudly in, in while being polite, let us know that they're not talking about it. They don't know about it. It's like Sergeant Schultz from the old TV show Hogan's Heroes. They know nothing. Yeah. Is it time to panic yet? Is it time for, you know, for the city to come absolutely unglued? Are they going to get on that bus to get on the plane to Cleveland and Joe and T have not signed extensions. It is not time to panic yet. When it comes to Joe Burrow, I'll start with Burrow and then I'll go to T not time to panic yet. I think the next week is very interesting now because the the next two days, the Bengals practice and then it's a few days off and then it's game week. And just like that week one, and it felt like ages ago when we're like, ah, oh, they got plenty of time. Herbert got done. Hertz got done. J- Lamar Jackson got done. It was like, oh, plenty of time. Well, now there isn't plenty of time. There's time. And again, I'm not panicking by any stretch, not pressing that panic button. I will sound that alarm when it is time. And I don't even want to necessarily say it right now, but there are some things that would happen or could happen over the next week to where you would sound that that panic button or slam it or press it. That said, the deal could also come down at 8.45 tonight. You know, it could happen. Heck, the Orlando Brown Jr. deal. This is, I was sitting in this chair. I finished Locked On Bengals. Go upstairs, sit on the couch, and instantly see the Orlando Brown Jr. deal come right back downstairs and everything, everything's blowing up that I just did. So things come out of nowhere. I know they're talking. There there doesn't seem to be any, any animosity from either side. And so that's positive. I do wonder, just going to T, and I know this has been long-winded, but he is the franchise. There's a lot of details. Uh, As far as T goes, I think that's – every second that goes by, it seems less and less likely that that one gets done. I'm still confident Joe gets done because of what he's – just he's changed everything. So it's it's real simple to see why the franchise at some point is just going to have to get it done. But with T – they have the tag next year. I don't know if they would make him play it out on the tag. I know this. You can't lose him like you did Bates for nothing, and you should be active in free agency every year. Maybe Joe says, hey, keep focusing on T, get that done, and then we'll talk. I don't think that's the case. That's really rare, and you got two different agents, and it just doesn't really make sense on a lot of levels. But who knows? I, I do think T, though, that would be the one that I, I wouldn't be as confident about getting done and it has much as much to do with the the relationship between the Bengals and his agent. It's Jesse Bates' agent, David Mulligetta, uh, is represents T as well as anything. There's no real history there of them getting a deal done. With Burrow, he's the franchise. There there doesn't need to be history. It's pretty simple. What you got to do is find a way to get that done. Well, thank you, James. I was um, it's a million dollar question as you alluded to Herbert sign. Everybody's waiting until after Herbert. Well, that's happened weeks ago, so we'll see what happens. We appreciate your um, 
candid answer on that. But in the chat, uh, a lot of people are talking about the book over your right shoulder there, oh. our left. And uh, they want to know some, um, yeah. yeah, some details. Um, pretty exciting. I believe you kind of teased that a little bit uh, this week. What can you tell us about that? And, and when can they pick up a copy? Enter the Jungle comes out September 12th. And if you're looking for a a history of the Cincinnati Bengals book, this is it. It goes season by season. It has my personally handpicked all-decade teams uh, from from the year uh, that, that the Bengals were founded, some of the process and details behind them coming to Cincinnati, why they came to Cincinnati, who was the one who found Cincinnati as an ideal landing spot for, for Paul Brown to, to create an NFL franchise. And that's what he was adamant about the Bengals becoming an NFL franchise. I think uh, th- there's a lot of details in there about that. There's details about uh, all of the Super Bowl teams, separate spread uh, two page breakdowns of each Super Bowl team rather I was going to say spreadsheets but it's not that it's it's very much a a coffee table book that's going to give you a lot of detail but it's going to be a quick read an easy read and whether you've been a fan since the Bengals were founded or you became a fan when Joe Burrow threw his first touchdown to Jamar Chase I think it it, it kind of fits the profile for everybody so you can get it at cincinnatibengalsbook.com pre-order it today it's out September 12th and uh, stay tuned there's an event coming up that uh, I will do after the, the book comes out. Uh, keep September 15th open. I can say that. Friday, September 15th, before the home opener, because uh, I have some details probably coming out later this week about it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think you probably watched our first guest, but we had Cam Miller on of Cam Miller Films, oh, yeah. um, who's, who's a great Cincinnati historian. And, and we announced a little bit earlier, uh, Tuesday, October 10th, uh, we're going to do a event for charity at 16 lots of Newport on the levee where he's going to unveil his uh, Bengals film about their time at, at Riverfront. So it's interesting. we got a, a lot of Cincinnati um, history going on. It kind of goes hand in hand with what you're doing um, with your book. Again, that's going to be Tuesday, October 10th, um, a little ticketed event where hundred percent of the proceeds go to charity. And then you're going to have yours September 15th. So uh, Cincinnati fans are going to um, get their, their history knowledge here in the next month or so. For sure. Yeah. I think, uh, the perfect timing. I'm, I'm grateful that I, I was, uh, you know, able to, to do this project. Really excited, excited that uh, it, it's coming out during the beginning of the season. I, I wasn't sure timing wise how exactly it would work, but hopefully they'll, they'll come back from Cleveland. Uh, the book will release and they'll be going for two and O and on Friday I can meet a bunch of uh, Bengals fans and, and sign a few books and, and go from there. Exciting. Perfect. We want to be conscious of uh James with time. Tom, do you want to end it with a final question here? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, we mentioned history. There was a little bit of a dust up and I didn't think I'd have a chance to talk to you about this a little bit of dust up in the off season about the Bengals ring of honor, Corey <laughs> Dillon getting his, his feathers yeah. anywhere from slightly ruffled to Corey was really mad depending on, on who you talk to. In fact, we interviewed him a few days yeah. after that and it was Corey's feathers are ruffled and he'd like to make some polite suggestions. With the Bengals getting a late start with the Ring of Honor, do you think you'll see a way to maybe getting, I wouldn't say accurate, I think the fans have done a pretty good job. We've, As fans have done a pretty good job with it. Um, a way of improving it? I mean, would, would there be a way to the fans continue to pick two and then maybe off to that there's a, a team of Bengals management, Mike Brown, Katie Troy, members of the media like yourself, Jeff Hobson, uh, you know, Bengals historians, guys that even stepped down but have been here their whole life. George Vogel, Dennis Jansen, getting off to the side and saying, okay, well, this year uh, we want to add to that class Corey Dillon or Lamar Parrish, et cetera. Uh, do you see a way to fix it, make it better? Realistically, I, I think they – and I get it. I do understand that it's flawed because – and I'm – I was probably one of the, the first ones to, to say that aspect of it. At the same time, for years and years and years, I and I remember doing this right after I started allbangles.com. It was, here's my metaphorical ring of honor. And it was all these guys, and all of them are either nominees or in the ring of honor now. And I, I, I almost, I, I keep going back to, I'm not going to complain 
now that they've got it. Just because it took so long. It should have happened in the 90s when no one was going and then they could just celebrate the past. I mean, I totally get that. I understand it. It would have been way easier. It would have brought people in to, to acknowledge the past and the good times. It might have been a little bit of a distraction, even in the early 2000s, had they had done it. But who do you pick from a, um, a media standpoint, if you want to go that route? Do, do you want to really give Mike Brown another thing to, to deal with or the, the, the Brown and Blackburn family? Do you want to go that route? Like, to me, it works. You're just going to have to wait a little bit. And for Corey, no one that's gotten in, and I like Corey a lot. I, he's the, the running back I remember most growing up, you know, for, for the Bengals. Is there, is there anything besides just waiting a few more years? There's no one in there that shouldn't be in there ahead of him. I, I believe that. I mean, Boomer could have had a great waiting this long. He's an MVP. Got him to Super Bowl. Like, and, and it's only been a few years. So Corey will get in. He'll probably get in next year. And it stinks that it, it took this long. But I, I think that it's it's fine. Now, if they want to make it three instead of two, I wouldn't be mad at that. But I don't want to complain about it every step of the way. And I, I think that's kind of where we're going now. And it's like, eh, actually, it sucked not having it for, for so many years. And, and so let's enjoy it and enjoy the past. And a lot of these guys, it, it sucks, by the way, that Ken Riley didn't get to see, see it. And that part is awful. And so I get that argument and understand it at the same time. I don't know if you can undo the past and make it perfect. And so there's always going to be a gripe with this system. So I'm, I'm okay with it staying the way it is. If they make tweaks, that's fine too, but I'm just going to enjoy it. That's kind of my, been my logic. And I agree it's flawed by the way. I just, I, I think that uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm glad it's here. Well, I'm thrilled it's here. They, they've done so much <laughs> with, with the, with the organization the last several years. Yeah, I, I really, ultimately, my, my main flaw with it is it just started too late. Uh, like the Pro Football Hall of Fame itself starting in 1960, and they have a backlog of dozens of worthy players that should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, we'll, the first one James and I will tell you about and complain about is Ken Anderson for the Veterans sure. Committee, and from the current modern committee, Willie Anderson. Uh, you know, it's like we said, we, you know, the committee owes us one more Ken and two Andersons, you know, right now, but it's, it's <laughs> not realistic. So, you know, we go from there, but no, thank you. Yeah. And I, I think it goes hand in hand, right? Being, being able to celebrate your past, I, I think helps. I think Ken Riley's profile has gone up a ton. Uh, really 2017 when they celebrated their, their 50th anniversary when he was back. And, and then obviously, him getting into the ring of honor. I think that helped him get into the pro football hall of fame. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think just having your legends in the conversation that matters. And so with, with, with Willie Anderson, I agree with you. I think it would, it would have been really easy to, to forget without the ring of honor and social media and all of the things that have helped him. And so hopefully that, that next stop is, is camp. Well, James, we appreciate you coming on. I agree 100%. Um, obviously, the franchise is, is trending in the right direction. 50th anniversary, the ring of honor, the product on the field, the bright future that we have. And um, no doubt we're, we're going up and um, thank the Brown and Blackburn family for that. And on the social media side, we appreciate everything you do. Um, we've seen in the comments here, everybody loves um, the lockdown episode. Everything that that you do on on social media, obviously a must follow for for Bengals fans. Uh, we look forward to seeing that book, James. And uh, again, it's going to be a fun year. And um, again, if we want to know what's going on, you know, you're the the one stop shopping for that. So we appreciate you taking time on your busy night to. Uh, to join us and uh, we'll be following and look forward to that uh, book release. Sounds good, fellas. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. All righty. Well, we appreciate uh, James coming on wealth of knowledge there. Busy, busy day. You know, when you go from 80, 90, whatever it was down to 53, um, unfortunately a lot of gentlemen aren't going to be strapping on football helmets anymore. James, what uh, do you think the uh, getting back to the James, uh, you and I, We'll text and talk, you know, during the away games and so forth. What do you think that conversation was with Tanner Hudson today? I don't think the guy could have done any more. Um, 
You know what I keep going back to? And, and obviously, most of the time, we're not privy to these inside um, conversations inside the Paycor Stadium. Probably the closest look we get is through shows like um, Hard Knocks. If you remember when, what was that, that that safety many moons ago, Tom Justin? And is he going to make, was it not Tom Justin? What was his name? Uh, that's you, the, the short safety that. Um, Tom Nelson. It was like. Tom Nelson. I'm sorry. There you go. Tom Justin, Tom Nelson. And um, it was just kind of the, the trials and tribulations. And I think oftentimes we compare that that heartache to the families that are trying to get into the Hall of Fame what the Riley's have experienced for the last X amount of years. There's a lot of that angst, uh, nervousness. Um, you know, if you're going to make the team, let's be honest. A lot of these players were studs in peewee football, were studs in high school, were studs in college. This is the first time they're experiencing, hey, Maybe I'm not good enough. And um, certainly someone will come back in a, in a coaching role. Some will go help their, you know, local communities. And there's a bright future ahead of them. But um, as far as the NFL, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're not cut out for it right now. But, you know, with the XFL, with the um, AFL, I believe, is the, uh, with the other uh, minor league system, yes. there's still opportunities um, for them. I think that's going to help them. Um, we saw what, um, you know, A.J. McCarron did in the XFL. We saw, what, 20 XFL guys get signed to um, training camp rosters this year. So, you know, some are done. Some have, have um, said, okay, we tried, that's it. But uh, some will fight on, and, you know, hopefully we'll see him, see him back. It's, it's not an easy road, but um, there's been the Kurt Warner stories that have, have been cut, that have gone down to the minor leagues at the Arena Football League and, and came back. And um, I tell you what, it's a decision I wouldn't want to be in that um, whoever it is, whether it's Zach, whether it's Lou, whether it's um, somebody in management saying, hey, unfortunately, you know, we're going to have to cut you. We appreciate your time, but um, certainly not a position I envy at all. No, no. And it's, uh, you know, killing dreams. Like you said, most of those guys have never had to deal with the possibility you know, of being cut, of being told you're not good enough. We, yes. you know, we, we don't need you. But uh, some of those guys will definitely cycle back. We'll see a lot of the younger guys that we were impressed with back on the practice squad and some of the veterans maybe either back on the practice squad or um, sifting back onto the active roster. So, But uh, this week is about, I guess, going over what needs to go over. Hopefully tomorrow seeing number nine lead the offense onto the field and getting ready to beat the Browns. Since he's not here, it's that time for. This is the two minute warning. All right, Tom, you, uh, you start us off tonight. No, well, like I said, uh, hopefully Joe's back on the field tomorrow and hopefully in the next week, we are celebrating a contract extension for uh, the Bengals version of a player that is the franchise. So rest up. This will be our last weekend with the exception of the bye week and games during the week of, of no Bengals football till mid-February. So uh, enjoy it with your families. And uh, like I said, hopefully we get a contract extension. And with that, a big fireworks celebration on the river Sunday night. James? No, we didn't even tease it. We got a big announcement for um, for next week's guest. But before we get to that, um, Tomorrow night, some of you may be headed down to uh, Paycor Stadium for a taste of the Bengals, another great uh, event where um, proceeds go to the Cincinnati Free Store Food Bank, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Tom? It is, yes. So uh, that's going on tomorrow night. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Um, Tony, who's down in Florida, helping uh, those affected by the hurricane, $44,000 raised um, to date. Because of your generosity, we appreciate that. Um, don't forget, Tuesday, October 10th, um, that film by Cam Miller, uh, Riverfront Remembered, with several former Bengals on hand. Um, I'm going to post that ticket link in the chat again. Get your tickets. Come on down. It's going to be a fun night at um, 16 Lots with um, Cam, with that film, and with a lot of uh, – Former Bengals. Let me see. Let me look at my other housekeeping things. Our next duck race um, is going to go to T. Higgins Charity. I guess I'm doing all Tony's Tony's dirty work tonight. Um, again, the winner is going to take home an autographed um, T. Higgins jersey. So if you haven't purchased your duck, um, check out our social media for that. 
And then uh, one other thing, our Nashville tailgate tickets are on sale. Let me see if I can um, copy the um, the link um, to that. I don't have that handy. But for those going to Nashville, uh, over 300 sold already for our Nashville tailgate. Uh, you can get those um, tickets. Duck race, Brian. Um, it's a week or so. Stay tuned to social media. Um, we'll have that um, information. I want to say it's two weeks from the night, but don't quote me with Tony suddenly being down in Florida. I believe it's two weeks from the night. So, well, there you go. Two weeks from tonight, and we do. I, uh, I Andrea posted. Um, Andrea posted in the comments. Hey, you're back on Facebook. We are back on Facebook, but we do have a new page dedicated um, specifically to this podcast. So be sure to um, like that page, share that page, and then um, you'll get up to date when we go live. I think um, Tom in Pennsylvania was questioning some confusion when we're live. We're live every Tuesday night now during the season. But if you um, like that page, you'll uh, stay up to date with that. And without further ado, Tom, I'll let you go ahead and announce who our guest is going to be next week right here on uh, Bengal Gym and Friends. A big, big guest, and we're gracious uh, she is gracious to give us some of her time in her busiest time of the year. Uh, she's been with us once before, but Elizabeth Blackburn's going to join us to talk about all things Bengals, from uh, the players that we all cheer for to what is going on at Paycor Stadium this year. And uh, like I said, every every aspect of of the uh, the franchise, just like she did last time she was with us. So we're very excited and pleased that uh, she carved out a little bit of time for us. She is, and no doubt, one of the big reasons for a lot of the change we're seeing, uh, not only community development, uh, social media, a lot of the good stuff that's uh, coming out. So very excited to um, have, oh, Andrea says her favorite girl, Miss Elizabeth, uh, Crypt Keeper says. So uh, next Tuesday night, uh, we look forward to seeing everyone. As always, um, you know, this wouldn't be possible without you. So we appreciate you tuning in live on uh, Tuesday nights again. Share the page. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, you can always go back to um, YouTube. If a friend missed it, it's all archived there. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. And everybody, um, have a safe night. Who day? We'll see you uh, next Tuesday. Who day? <laughs>